You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network. Hosted by Blake Murphy 7, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello, welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast, your complete cards coverage. My name is Blake Murphy on Twitter at Blake Murphy 7, and today we'll be talking cards and Panthers. Got yeah, buddy uh, Billy uh, Marshall is going to be coming on here. We are kind of trade-off pods this week, so if you guys get a chance at least to be able to uh, listen in to be able to go online, I got to show up on his pod. He gets to show up on mine. We like to kind of trade off like that uh, each uh, each year for the most part. And it seems like the Cardinals have played a whole lot more for the most part. So you're looking for that on. I believe is it the Roar Blue Wire pods that you're on, Bill? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, absolutely. He's also an SB Nation cap scratch reader, at least, which is one of the fun, punniest, I should say, at least, of the SB Nation uh, team sites, at least. Uh, it's definitely one there. It reminds me of the old school rock days. But, Bill, this has been kind of a spot we're through. The first four weeks, Arizona and Panthers are both 4-0. and Looks like one of the more dominant teams a lot of people are questioning, is Arizona for real? Like, is this a spot where you're kind of just – seem to be getting away with it is Carolina for real for the most part I think we've come away with the fact that Arizona and Carolina's defenses both are for real there's been some struggles on the offense Arizona will be seeing um, the likes of uh, backup PJ Walker this week Uh, that's going to be how it goes Uh, Bill why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself do a little bit of your work and then we'll get into this game Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on, Blake. Uh, yeah, everyone can follow me on Twitter at BillyM91. And I really enjoy connecting with all the Cardinals Twitter that I can. I know Damian Parsons is one guy. Uh, we talk a lot of draft, but um, you know the old school and the guy, the OG, I like to call him, Seth uh, Cox, who uh, <laughs> does a lot of work with the draft now. But him and I have been going at it with Cardinals Panthers coverage for a while. And I uh, always enjoyed the perspective out in the desert. Absolutely, yeah. It's Cardinals Panthers met up for a couple of these um, playoff games that we've seen over the years. We talked a little bit about that on the other pod. Um, we talked about the last few years of Cliff Kingsbury matching up against the Panthers, whether it's Ron Rivera or Matt Rule. Uh, Carolina's always seemed to have been getting the better of Arizona. I think the biggest thing, at least, with how things have matched up this year for the most part is that Arizona is coming off of a game in which Kyler Murray didn't play. DeAndre Hopkins didn't play. A.J. Green didn't play. They lost both of their starting guards during the game and still managed to be able to blow out the Niners on the road. Um, They're at home this week, at least, taking on a Panthers offense that has been, I want to say at least it's been, let's see, like 27th or so in the NFL, despite having a pretty promising start. Arizona's got a top five offense. The biggest thing, at least overall, is this Panthers defense, at least from a yards per game perspective, number two in the NFL. Let's talk a bit about at least what is the biggest thing if you're game planning, at least coming in this week with P.J. Walker that Cardinals fans should expect, and why does this Panthers team seem to just drop off so suddenly? Yeah, it's a good question. I I think there's – you know, a lot of the old adage about playing complimentary football, like I know it sometimes gets tiring, especially like, you know, in January when a new head coach steps up to that podium and says, you know, we had to play complimentary football, but it, it couldn't be more true with this Carolina team, just simply because their defense, they're playing at a level that I did not expect them to be at in this soon. And unfortunately, the offense has just completely like ruined any type of momentum for the entire team. 
Uh, I mean, special teams has been kind of inconsistent as well, but I don't think they've been uh, too much of an issue with regard to their overall performance. And I mean, just look at some of the advanced metrics, like in DVOA, they're 26th, yeah. um, but that's because their offense is 31st and their defense is six. So even if they were like maybe like an average NFL offense, they would be maybe, um, you know, top half of the league in DVOA. But because their deep offense has been performing at such a, um, you know, putrid level, it just kind of bleeds throughout the entire team. And uh, earlier in the season, there were some defensive players who kind of just brushed it off. But now you're seeing some other guys going to the press conferences and getting a little annoyed that the media is asking them about the offense. They're just like, with all due respect, I'd rather not talk about them. Um, but, you know, now is a chance for them to change the narrative. P.J. Walker is going to get his chance to play. Sam Darnold is going on injured reserve. And I think the biggest issue with the offense was the quarterback position. Uh, I, I just think Darnold is who he is, and he's been he's always been that guy starting when he took over at USC. And uh, that's unfortunate for him. He seems like a really nice, cool guy. But uh, you guys saw it with Josh Rosen. I just think, like, it's sometimes you are what you are. And uh, uh, with all due respect to any team that's scouting quarterbacks, maybe stay away from these guys in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I was going to say, just bringing up as far as that goes with Rosen with everything in Arizona, it, it's tough because I remember just even some of the Sam Darnold experience where I, I went to an Arizona State game where they just ran the, the team out of the building with him and Ronald Jones. And then you look back at the other games that Darnold played, and it was just a lot of different areas where there was fumbles, there was a lot of questionable, you know, decisions in the pocket. Like, one of the things I remember the announcers of that game, we saw the USC was down, Darnold goes in, they're like, this is exactly what Sam Darnold loves being in the spot, he loves the pressure, loves being able to perform, and then I'm like, that exact play, it was like that he held on to the ball too long, had a sack fumble that was scooped up for six in the pocket, it's game over. I was just like, all of this kind of hype that was being built up for, for Darnold, for Rosen, we just have kind of, I don't know if it's the NFL looks at their model and they see guys who fit the model and it makes it a little bit easier. But like you said, the Panthers go out this year, make a decision to try to get more of a veteran guy. And I don't blame them with how a lot of Adam Gase players did on their second time around with new teams. A good example of this is the, uh, I think Brian Tannehill for the most part. Just feels like it was so far, at least we've seen with Matt Rule, he signed to this large contract and more of a program builder. He and Cliff Kingsbury, in a lot of regards, are almost like kind of mirror images. Cliff being, they both were in the Big 12. The difference being Cliff just had these mediocre type of teams that he had for the most part at the likes of Texas Tech, despite having some excellent quarterback play and kind of scouting and grooming quarterbacks. And you kind of see the opposite at Temple where, you know, Matt Rule had P.J. Walker builds the team up, has these incredible defensive efforts, goes to Baylor, and then is able to essentially like have this ascendant team this is kind of interesting with how these two franchises have kind of gone and sought um, program builders at the college level. And I think, we've, like you said, we've seen kind of how the quarterback has been one of the areas that's made a big difference for both teams this year. Yeah, for sure. And let's just go back to 2018 when Texas Tech played Baylor. I think that was Kingsbury's final game. I mean, they were uh, both teams were five and six. They needed one win for bowl eligibility. And Matt Rule's second year in the, with the Baylor Bears, they go into uh, Lubbock and uh, beat Cliff's um, Red Raiders and uh, beat him pretty handily on the road. And that just kind of sealed Cliff's uh, fate as a head coach for a uh, college program. And so um, 
you know, fast forward a couple years later, um, last year, COVID and everything, I think that the Panthers just had one of their best defensive games against, um, you know, Kyler Murray and the Arizona offense. And, uh, but, uh, you know, as we've seen, things change really quickly in the NFL and the Cardinals have done a really good job of adapting their scheme and playing more to their personnel. So uh, maybe you're seeing less of those RPO bubble screens that they used to run quite a bit, but Carolina was really on top of it. And uh, given that Phil Snow had a lot of experience in the Big 12 and he was able to craft a defense within three years to um, to really kind of limit some of the most explosive offenses, which are in that conference, uh, I, I think that because now he has the talent at his disposal, um, you're kind of seeing that accelerate on that side of the ball. But I think the biggest question for Matt Rule going forward and whether he's successful or not is what is he going to do about the quarterback position? Because it's, mm. uh, you know, I would have kept Teddy Bridgewater on for another year, mm. but they wanted to move on for whatever reason. Um, you're seeing Teddy kind of uh, do what he usually does in Denver. He has his moments like he did last week, but for the most part, he's pretty – uh, you know, pretty average. He's like the definition of a league average NFL quarterback. And I, I still think that's uh, a valuable piece. Uh, but at the same time, I can understand why teams are always looking to upgrade. But I thought that where Carolina was in relation to their rebuilds uh, under Matt Rule, I, I felt that Bridgewater would have given them another year. I was never a huge Sam Darnold uh, at least in the NFL, as a prospect, I thought he was okay. Uh, I didn't think he, I had Lamar Jackson as my QB one that year, uh, and I, I thought Darnold was probably better than like Allen and Rosen, but he was behind uh, Mayfield and Jackson for me. Uh, but yeah, it's just like yeah, to me, it's it's all about figuring out the quarterback position because they do have talent on offense. I think if you ask any team if they would take a DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall trio. Uh, I mean, maybe not in Arizona, but most teams, I feel like that's a, a decent wide receiver trio to have. Offensive line-wise, uh, it's been a struggle, but they have been playing a little better the past few weeks. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see kind of where uh, kind of the trajectories go from here because, you know, Kingsbury, he has his franchise quarterback and he's had him since he entered the NFL. Um, but for Matt Rule, if he can't get that, then, you know, unfortunately, it's time is going to be short. Yeah, it's one of the avenues I think that we see as far as where teams are. And, you know, uh, you talked about with that draft class that year, at least. Like, I also had Lamar's quarterback one, loved Baker. The thing is, I liked Rosen at least down over Josh Allen. I felt like that Allen was a little bit too either freewheeling, had questions with some of the accuracy, maybe even level of competition. And I felt like Rosen didn't have as much around him when you get to the NFL level and, he still didn't have a whole lot around him and we got to kind of see at least overall that maybe in some avenues of his game was just kind of this you know similar in some regards maybe to the Sam Darnold type where there's just maybe there's some athleticism but it's still more limited maybe there's a bit more of you got an arm that can make a lot of these different throws but maybe there's still at least some limitations on whether it's some of the accuracy or how much a guy can grow and that's one of these spots where I think it's really interesting to look at where you know, Cliff came in and said immediately, we've got a problem, we got to go and address it. And the way we're going to address it, at least, is by, you know, going out and a move that was, you know, a lot of people forget all the criticism that went on. A lot of people were saying, like, just trade the pick to the Raiders for three firsts and let the 5'9 five, five, quarterback, you know, get squashed somewhere else, at least. And I think we've kind of been able to see Arizona be able to commit to adding talent at each different level. They've been able to, you know, have veterans that are at the, the, the left tackle and the right tackle, been able to at least 
go out and acquire uh, Rodney Hudson to be able to kind of fix their biggest problem, which was the center position. Um, feels like when you're talking about like with Robbie, with DJ, uh, how much of the issues, at least that we've seen from Carolina this year, um, even with adding uh, a guy who I really liked in Terrence Marshall Jr., how much of the issues has been essentially just a lot of the struggles where it didn't have the same ability to run the football with Christian McCaffrey getting hurt earlier in the season? And I think it was even, if I remember correctly, re-injuring that. Uh, I don't think it was the ankle, but it was just re-injuring at least. Um, and not maybe having as much of the guys behind him. How much of it's been maybe the offensive line play? Like It feels really like you said that um, when it comes down to DVOA for the Cardinals, like it's pretty much no question. They've had the number one team with DVOA. They're number one with point differential. They've had the number two scoring offense, number three scoring defense. Like They're just blowing teams out of the water this year. And it hasn't really even been all of Kyler Murray's doing. They were effective last week with the Niners game with Colt McCoy coming in, managing the offense, and then their defense sacking Jimmy Garoppolo, I think it was five times, and being able to at least get a takeaway or two that pretty much ended it for them. What's been kind of the core behind all of this? Because, like, out of last year, I was going to say, like, Joe Brady was like, there's questions we had of, like, hey, is this a guy who's going to be maybe a potential head coach in waiting for some teams? Is this a spot where we'll get to kind of see how Carolina's defense, which has been, you know, I think you said under Phil Snow, building more and more. It just feels like, at least in a lot of regards, the defense has shown up this year. But what's the what's the core reason for the offensive drop-off, you think? Is it simply just they whiffed at the quarterback spot? I mean, there's been some struggles on the offensive line, too, so I don't want to put it all on him. But, I mean, I would say a significant portion of it is on the – on the quarterback because last year they also didn't have McCaffrey for like 14 games. So it's not like Christian yeah, McCaffrey yeah. was such this, you know, integral part of their offense last year. I mean, he was injured for the most part and that was the first year he really was, um, you know, suffered, you know, bouts of injuries. So to me, I mean, like, you know, like it's just some type of competency at that position. Like you, I mean, even before Palmer came, you guys saw how much just ineffectiveness at that position could just hamper your team. Um, I mean, those 2012 and 2011 Cardinals are a pretty good example, I think, too, because, I mean, they had a pretty talented defense, uh, and unfortunately, they just weren't able to get over the hump because uh, they were limited in so many ways at that position. And I, I think that's what you're seeing here, because I don't, I wouldn't, I don't want to say Joe Brady has been perfect. He can do a better job of sequencing plays and playing off of um, some different tendencies, like some of the best offensive play callers in the league right now are doing that, like. Shanahan, LaFleur, Arthur Smith. They, I mean, they do a lot of sequencing to set up play action. And I think that is important. Um, and I just, I feel like the play designs are there. And they were there last year too with Bridgewater. But Bridgewater, he obviously has his limitations like we, like I said earlier. Uh, but to me, I just, I don't think it's necessarily at the hip of uh, the offensive coordinator. And I know I can kind of come to, um, I can defend OCs more often than not. I did it with Mike <laughs> Shula when he got some uh, undeserved hate. Uh, and the same thing with Norv and Scott Turner. I defended them too. I just feel like the, I know it just sounds entirely cliche, but execution and um, how your quarterback plays is such a big part of the success of the offense. And I think that the offensive line, it's been an issue. I'm not very confident on how they can perform. Uh, especially against Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden. I think Taylor Moten on the right side is a, a very reliable and solid player. I don't have an issue with him, but 
they've just been mixing and matching that position so much uh, that it's really tough to understand like what their overall uh, goal is, especially when they go into this offseason, how they're evaluating that position. But yeah, I just think it's the quarterback has been such a limiting factor and um, they're going to get another opportunity with a new guy. And I don't necessarily think PJ Walker is the answer, uh, but maybe some of the elements that he brings uh, does kind of open up this offense. Yeah, we can talk a bit with PJ Walker. I think the biggest thing, like like you said, with the matchups, um, the Panthers at least are going to have Cam Irving, who's kind of been the left tackle, is going to IR. We've at least seen how some of the offseason additions that they made at the guard spot. You mentioned Pat Elfline, Michael Jordan, at least, not that one, um, the other one. Uh, with Dennis Daly, Taylor Moten's at least been solid. You had Tommy Tremble has been solid. It's one of those areas, like you said, it feels like that normally would work in a lot of ways, but I think it's been a combination of whether it's not having as much depth for some of the injuries. And I think some of that may come down to, I don't know if it's coaching or execution, but one of the things I think that Arizona has shown this year is when Arizona gets punched in the face or has dealt with adversity uh, in years past, it felt like the Cardinals were a team that they would face adversity and then when they would get punched in the face, they wouldn't have a counter punch. We talked about this a little bit on uh, your pod, at least, where this year it's like the Cardinals have had, you know, they've played, I think, at least 13 or so different offensive linemen this year. Like they've lost their starting center for to IR for a few games. They um, had Josh Jones kind of go back and forth as far as the right guard position. A left guard, Justin Pugh, had some issues. They lost their right tackle for two games, I believe, at least, and Kelvin Beecham. But they've at least had the ability to – whenever they're under some type of duress, guys would be able to step up and continue making plays. And, you know, you mentioned play sequencing. I think that's been the biggest area we've seen Cliff Kingsbury improve this year has been not just in sequencing, but just in managing a game. Um, Like there was a play that they had against the Niners where, uh, you know, it's a pot pass to Christian Kirk. We saw this in the preseason, I think, against the Cowboys where, you know, he's running an end around a little pot pass that he just is able to kind of fake it. It's not quite a Statue of Liberty play, but, you're talking about at least one of these old college football playbooks that goes and he runs around the end, picks up about six or seven yards. They throw in a wrinkle against San Fran where it's Christian Kirk, at least instead of Rondell Moore, I believe. And he's throwing the ball at least instead. And the play wasn't even designed for Antoine Wesley. It was designed for DeAndre Hopkins, who was out for the game. And the fact that Arizona, despite some of these areas and injuries, the backups who've come in have all been able to step up and be able to keep that same type of killer mentality and, I don't know how much of that I, – I always am a guy who some people put that on coaching and just say, hey, coaches will get players to make plays. They'll do a great job there. But I think some of it just comes down to, you know, the talent level, at least for the most part, and having guys being able to gel and play together and some of that confidence level. It just has been kind of a different Arizona team this year, and I think one of the avenues, if I could at least say about what the Panthers is, it really does feel like you've had that on the defensive side, at least, as far as having talent with – the Quan Jones, Derek Brown up front, and then just the nightmare to have to face as far as with Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick also on the edge, having great playmakers in the secondary. And of course, you know, you can never really, can't really say enough about how Shaq Thompson has kind of been this kind of all around type of playmaker that you've been able to see for a number of years, even dating back to, I can say the, uh, the Cam Newton Cardinals playoffs it just feels like that the offense for whatever reason has not, when the things in adversity has hit, they just have not really been able to step up for the most part. And I think that's one of the cases, at least that it's really curious is what are your thoughts on PJ Walker? And is this a guy who maybe is able to 
is he going to have the ability to step up despite the adversity of losing Sam Darnold for probably a couple of weeks at least? And how has he looked overall in the snaps that he's gotten in Carolina? I mean, I thought he was – last year he started against Detroit, and he did a good job of moving the ball, but he threw two interceptions in a red zone. And uh, when he replaced Darnold a couple weeks ago against Atlanta, it was in a red zone, he nearly threw another pick. Um, so I actually do think he, like, plays within structure and he can move the ball down the field. It's just going to come down to his decision-making, particularly in the red zone where the windows get tighter and you have to make decisions – uh, very quickly he definitely has the arm strength um, you saw this with early years Derek Carr where he would just play at you know throw the ball with one kind of you know speed and that's 100 miles per hour he just mm. ripped the ball and, and it's the same thing with Walker so uh, I mean he was kind of inconsistent in the preseason didn't really kind of he made the the decision that backup quarterback much more difficult than it had to be I thought he would run away with it but uh, Will Greer played well to his credit, but he, Walker also didn't do much to um, separate himself. But I just think like it, it might be different this time because he's going to get a full week to prepare with the offense. He's going to play with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson um, and a starting offensive line and, and obviously McCaffrey too. So, right. you know, maybe there's something in there that, you know, we haven't seen yet. And I mean, again, it's, it's still a lot of unknown with Walker too. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that was one of the avenues, at least, where I remember this is a spot where last year the Cardinals went up and they were kind of, you know, battered, beat up a bit. They went up over into the uh, the Meadowlands to play the Giants. And I remember that Daniel Jones was coming off of IR, was going to start that. Or maybe it wasn't even coming off of IR. Maybe it was COVID, but he was coming to play the game. And I remember saying on the podcast, I would rather play Daniel Jones than Colt McCoy because Colt McCoy had just gone out the week prior and had not turned the ball over, you know, managed to make enough plays, and it was a strong defensive effort that they were able to beat the Seahawks, who were, you know, still a playoff team. And just being able to manage that, like you said, of being able to play within the structure, be able to take the small throws, and letting the defense be the one that could dictate things, that was where when Daniel Jones came in, he had two fumbles that were lost. There was, I believe, an interception that was thrown in that game. He was sacked uh, five times in that one game by current Panther Hassan Reddick, and Reddick now holds the all-time Cardinal sack record for a single game. So let's talk a little bit about with the not just going on from Walker. It sounds like when you're saying some of the interceptions, some of the picks, is he a guy who can manage the game similar to what we saw with Colt McCoy since Kyler Murray, we don't know whether or not he's playing in this game. He seems like that he's more optimistic, says that he thinks he'll be able to give it a go on Sunday. Uh, that coming down probably about an hour ago. Is it a spot at least for where this type of revenge game comes up at least? Are the Panthers going to be able to have that ability to kind of win one in Arizona? Because Cardinals fans are looking at this confidently like, say, hey, sure, go play Colt McCoy for another week. He played well last week. I don't think that's the same defense that you're talking about at least. It's been a much, much better defense that we've seen in Carolina. It's just it's really hard. Like you said, turnovers are ultimately what kind of kill you. And Arizona's got the top turnover and point differential. What would be kind of the way if you were going to scheme it up, if you're Joe Brady, how would you try to attack this Cardinals defense that's there through the passing game overall? Is this going to be like a high dose of, you know, managing it in Christian McCaffrey? What would be the Panthers kind of method of trying to go out and seeing if they could steal one in the desert with Walker, who I do ultimately think is, maybe less likely than Darnold to have some of these bad plays and turnovers, but maybe I'm wrong there. 
No, I, I don't think you're wrong. It's it's the fact that he doesn't necessarily make bad decisions. It's well, it's tough to really tell. I, I wouldn't say he makes bad decisions. I think he just trusts his arm too much. Whereas Darnold, it's the decision making plus trusting his arm too much. And so I think it's. Uh, I, I know that kind of sounds a little weird, but it's. Um, you know, Walker, he definitely has a better arm talent than many people get to give him credit for. It's especially in the red zone, like I said. And this is just something where a lot of rookie QBs and young QBs in general um, struggle with. It's inside the red. I mean, unless you're like one of the better, um, you have excellent arm strength, it's, it's going to be difficult for, uh, you know, a guy like Walker to come in there and just really, you know, zip it like he should be in that part of the field make his reads quicker he has to get through his uh, progressions and really figure out where he's going with the football and then uh, you know make an accurate throw and that's uh, that can be tough for rookie players or excuse me young quarterbacks um but no i, I expect he does he's not like a freelancer either he plays with he's not like your typical mobile quarterback where you know he's going to break contain like within two or three seconds and uh, scramble to make things happen he he's your traditional like uh, he, he is a, a traditional like pocket passer. He does obviously have the element of mobility, um, but he's going to stay in the pocket and he's going to make his reads and, and operate within structure. He's not going to do anything uh, like a Tyrod or Jalen Hurts where they break uh, the pocket really quickly and they miss opportunities. Right. Um, you know, the, the thing about him is, again, it's going to come down to processing. Uh, this Arizona defense has been really good this year. They like the confused quarterbacks. Um, and I'm sure Vance Joseph is going to be scheming up some things to really, uh, you know, make it difficult on him. So, yeah, it, it's, it's going to come down to just his ability to really kind of take care of the football, uh, but also, like, they haven't created enough explosive plays, and I, I think you're going to start seeing that with him at the helm. Yeah, definitely. But let's go and talk about two of these Cardinals. This is kind of like the funny, we talk about these revenge game aspects. Arizona decided to... Um, not keep uh, Hassan Reddick at least for another year. He goes and uh, signs with the Panthers in like a one-year $8 million deal. We talked in the other podcast how Reddick is a guy who his run defense stepped up. He was miscast, I think, in Arizona as an inside linebacker for years. Really, he was an undersized edge rusher. And with that athleticism, we've been able to see that it's kind of a modern linebacker being able to cover guys, whether it's tight ends or some backs out of the field. But he's at his best when he's able to just kind of run after the quarterback, despite being a little bit slighter of a build. The other guy, at least, it's ironic as far as a run, as far as a uh, revenge game is uh, former Cardinals kicker Zane Gonzalez, who they signed after he was let go by the Browns. They bring him in, tender him for a year, and he's kind of a goat in Arizona because uh, he, while he's had a great season in Carolina, he had 15 of 17 as far as his kicks go. He, there were two kicks that he missed last year with Arizona that basically would have put them in the playoffs. It got to the point where, whether it was mental or whatever aspect it was, where if it was like a 40 to 50 yard kick, he would hit a 59er and would not be able to hit the 40 yard field goals. That hasn't seemed to have been the case for him at all this season, which is tremendous, but can you talk a little bit about with Reddick and then just some of the avenue of the defense? It feels like in a lot of cases, this defense functions off of stopping the run up front, getting after the quarterback with Brian Burns and with Hassan Reddick, and having some great playmakers in the second part. Now, like we said, this is going to, again, be a spot that I still think is tilted towards a Cardinals team, at least, especially if they have Kyler Murray back, just because of the fact that the Cardinals getting out front, being able to stop teams and against the run, 
it's kind of been their best run defense has been their offense. And if the Panthers aren't able to have these explosive plays, like you have said, it's going to be interesting. How do you think as far as for this mismatch would be, is this a game where Hassan Reddick could essentially go off against the former team, try to limit Arizona, and then maybe win more of this lower-scoring old-school football matchup? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so again, it depends on who's playing quarterback, but I do think that um, they got burned pretty badly by Dak Prescott week four. And it's not like Dak beat him with his legs. It's that they, you know, Burns and Reddick are speed rushers primarily. That's where they do their best work. And because they did, they were getting upfield so much, it just allowed Prescott to find these little holes in the pocket where he can manipulate and really target his guys and create a few more seconds for him to go through his reads. And you saw that same sort of game plan uh, kind of, adjust itself the next week against Philadelphia where a more mobile guy like Jalen Hurts and so the defensive ends in that game they were asked to play much more contained um, they kind of let the defensive ends do the rushing and uh, Burns and Reddick uh, at least one one of the time one of them would kind of stay home just to make sure like um, you know Hurts isn't kind of beating them with their feet and he didn't that game was kind of decided pretty weird uh, a little fluky in the end because of uh, some of the situations that happened with the turnovers but right I expect, you know, if McCoy plays, I think you're going to see a traditional like game plan and rush attack from them. Uh, I think that they're going to get up field and try to really disrupt them with their speed and uh, a lot of what they've been doing really well. Uh, but if Kyler plays, I'm going to be fascinated to see because last year uh, it was a pretty similar approach to what I'm explaining. They did a lot of contain. They just made sure that, you know, Kyler was not going on the perimeter so he can kind of beat them. Uh, that's sort of what I feel like is going to happen this week. Um, mm. If Murray plays, I don't know. I think that I, you kind of shared a quote that he gave that he says, I, you know, he's feeling better and um, it's probably going to come down to game day, but, but yeah, I think that it's just going to be a lot of the way they have to win this game is going to be turnovers. Uh, I do think they have a secondary to uh, really match well with these receivers. The biggest thing with Carolina is, you know, their safeties, they're not very good. So it's going to come down to how, how does Cliff Kingsbury scheme up um, some players deep? Like we saw that play right. last week where McCoy hit Kirk deep. Uh, he did a really good job of, um, you know, I think it was two of their safeties, 26 and uh, someone else. But at the same time, San Francisco was missing, you know, Jimmy Ward and uh, Jaquiski Tart, who were yep. their usual starters. Uh, so when you have safeties that are maybe below average, like Carolina does, uh, it's going to be difficult for them. And I think that, uh, you know, if you, they really kind of put them in conflict, then I, I think that the explosive plays, no matter who's at quarterback, uh, it's going to be there for Arizona. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Panthers also are getting Christian McCaffrey activated off of IR last week for the Patriots game. He goes off at least and doesn't have the best attempt on the ground. He rushes 14 times for 52 yards. You know, it's not terrible. It's still under four yards of carry for the most part, and obviously that game script with some of the turnovers, like you said, and Darnold getting sacked quite a lot, that ended up factoring in where they're not running it as much. But he did have four catches and about 54 yards, so it's probably one of the cases which crazy when you talk about Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, um, even look at Terrence Marshall. Their best offensive threat still is that star running back, at least for the most part. And uh, What are some of your thoughts, at least, for how he'll be playing in Arizona since – Cardinals have at least in years past they were just getting you know torched up the middle torched by running backs they decided to go out and draft two first round linebackers to be able to deal with all of that and that's kind of worked at least in a lot of different regards for the most part where 
if you're going to attack Arizona, the best way to do it is, I think, how Green Bay did it, where you don't give up on running the football and just turn to throwing it when you get behind. You try to be able to manage the team to be able to you know, limit some of the explosive plays for Arizona so you don't get desperate. I think this is a game plan that the Panthers, if they can force an Arizona turnover or two, that may be something you can try to pull it off. It's it's just going to be really tough, like you said. Like The biggest difference that we've seen, I think, so far for the Cardinals is you talk about with Cliff being it, you said about setting up some of that. The sequencing or just the play calling, whatever you want to call it, there was that play you, you mentioned with Christian Kirk, you know, getting the ball and tossing it downfield to Antoine Wesley. They've had depth to be able to step up. That play was designed for Hopkins. It was also a play that he they ran in the preseason. Niners for sure would be watching that, noting that, hey, we got to be able to crash. They've got this guy in the end around trying to get this misdirection here. Pulled their safeties up a bit. You suddenly have a one on one matchup with a guy on a crossing route down the field. Those are so hard to have to cover when you're changing direction two or three times. What as far as for when it comes down to it with Kyler, how do you think at least as far as with this containment, do the Panthers have a chance? Because Kyler's done such a much better job of either stepping up in the pocket or not bailing too quick and actually having guys who can separate where he's not having to get lost. I feel like if this is a big Derek Brown game, the hard part at least is that in weeks past, this would have been a great example for a Derek Brown game, but now you've got Rodney Hudson back up front manning the center position. It just feels like it's one of those avenues where whatever punch you think that the Panthers could have for this Cardinals offense, unless Arizona kind of beats themselves with penalties, a slow start, and turns it over like three or four times, it really feels like it's going to be hard to see this team's talent be able to, uh, I guess the way I'd put it, is whatever Carolina tries to punch, you feel like Arizona could absorb it and be able to hit back on defense. What are some of your thoughts, at least as far as, what would be the best punch that Carolina could do? And is it going to be with Christian McCaffrey and trying to take advantage of a Cardinals run defense that hasn't been great, but has at least been average this season? Yeah, I think it's going to be a similar type game plan that San Francisco put forward a couple weeks ago when they came into uh, the desert and played you guys. I think that's uh, not necessarily the similar template. They just have to create like explosive plays, especially in the past game. They haven't been able to do that. And a couple of weeks ago when they did beat the Falcons, they ran it like 46 times. But uh, among their running backs, the longest run was nine yards. So it really wasn't that as if they were just dominating them on the ground. Darnold had a couple like really long scrambles and their defense kind of just took over the game. And, and like you said, St. Gonzalez, he's been a revelation for them since he yeah. came here. I didn't expect him to just confidently make 57-yard field goals, but that's what he did a couple of years weeks ago against the Falcons. And I think he's been perfect, um, you know, at least recently. He hasn't missed a field goal in a few weeks, so knock on wood, that that continues. Uh, yeah, but for me, I think the biggest thing is this. I, I think Carolina's offense, they have the personnel and they have the scheme to match up with Arizona on defense. But, you know, it's a it's a complimentary football game. You have to You have to be able to move the ball. And yeah. you have to get points. And I just, I'm, you know, as much as I kind of want to see how PJ Walker does in this spot and how he's able to kind of take advantage of this situation, I mean, this is such a fantastic defense that it really is. Uh, you know, not just at, you know, the secondary, which has been a revelation, uh, but I mean, they spent high picks in back to back years in linebacker. I mean, Jordan Hicks is, you know, playing really well. And up front, I mean, Chandler Jones is arguably the best edge rusher in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, I think defensively, 
they have a chance to it's a very similar it's not necessarily the same defense but it's kind of what everyone in the nfl is doing where it's this brandon staley vic fangio thing where mm. you know they're trying to play light boxes to invite the run uh, and really protect the pass so right uh, when you have a guy like Derek brown and daquan jones who you know are big guys up front and they can control the line of scrimmage uh, that certainly makes your life easier and ever since shaq thompson has returned for carolina they've been able to uh, really figure out how to um, just stay organized and create more turnovers i mean they've created like four turnovers the past couple of games which i think is a a clear improvement uh, than where they were previously so yeah i, I think like it's, it's going to be uh, i mean they're i mean i saw the line recently i was like a 10 point underdog yeah so that sounds about right it's going to come down to what the offense does and no matter with all due respect to pj walker this is a or excuse me a cardinals unit that's playing at a high level so uh, it's going to be difficult for him to really you know, figure out a way to move the ball consistently on them. Right. Yeah. I think of that Panthers game where Arizona goes on the road. They just didn't have that tenacity last year. And then even the year before they just were outmanned and out physical. Kyler turned it over a few times and it just felt like the Cardinals, whenever they would get into trouble, they would just not be able to know what the right punch would be. Uh, you mentioned it's a 10 point game and underdog that does really fit with the overall point spread that we've seen so far in the NFL Cardinals are second in points per game with 30.8 currently. Um, they're also at least top five as far as yards per game. They've just been a very dominant scoring offense overall. And the Panthers are about 19 points a game. So it's like it's a spot where while Arizona's had issues on at home more than on the road, which, you know, maybe surprisingly, maybe teams are just, you know, not expecting it. <laughs> but it does kind of feel like it's one of those areas where it's, you know, the, if it's hard, if there's one area I think that, you know, Panthers fans going to hang their head on, it's if Colt McCoy goes and suddenly you start able to pressure him and you see some of those difficulties where, you know, they're not able to kind of string completions and get a few three and outs. And the Panthers are able to, on the other end, you know, be able to do well with McCaffrey, get some different plays going. P.J. Walker is able to pick up yards on the ground. It's just going to be hard because you want to play in a close game. And this is an Arizona team that has not been able to keep it as I guess you say, no team has really been able to keep it close with Arizona outside of a team like the Green Bay Packers who were, you know, efficient, effective. But uh, I think like we even said after that podcast, you know, Arizona was a turned around A.J. Green from still winning that game. So it's like, all right, how you beat Arizona? Well, you know, you have A.J. Green not here in Audible and you have Rondale Moore, you know, fumble a punt that falls at the one yard line. And that's essentially what the game came down to was you got to force Arizona to have three turnovers. And even then it almost wasn't enough to be able to win the game. So I want to talk a bit about the, you know, and I think I was going to say at least is wrapping up that on Arizona's part. Let's talk a bit about some of the backups, at least from Arizona's Avenue, you know, JJ Watt goes down, they get Jordan Phillips back and he's actually played well at the defensive tackle spot. Uh, coming off of IR they uh, you know had Max Garcia came in played pretty well for Rodney Hudson even where they're uh, as far as for where it goes with as far as pass rushers Marcus Golden's leading the team in sacks this year he's really benefited from being across from Chandler Jones getting a lot more of those one-on-one matchups uh, Arizona whenever they've had kind of a guy go down they've been able to at least have that backup be able to step up make plays and be able to help them still win the game it's a big reason why they're eight and one uh, absolutely think that Colt McCoy is the best example of that stepping up and making plays within the structure of the offense against the Niners a week ago who are some of the key backups that are going in for the Panthers I know your left tackle at least has gone to IR your 
talking at least about some of these other play playmakers, at least on uh, the offensive side, at least in the O-line, have had some of the issues. What would be kind of the biggest either area that Arizona could exploit with some of these backups, or who's the guy you expect to play well in the stead, at least for uh, Carolina against Maybe there's a Cardinals, if they don't have A.J. Green for another week, maybe end up looking at their cornerback group and say, hey, this is a spot where maybe the Panthers can do have an edge here in coverage. Yeah, I think that, you know, the coverage, Gilmore has been as expected. Uh, Dante Jackson has clearly improved this year, and I think it's it's interesting just seeing how he's been able to uh, kind of leverage some of his weaknesses, which are his length. He's a pretty short guy, but he has a ton of speed. He plays the ball really well. Does a, I think an underrated part about playing cornerback is I know a lot of people like to make fun of him because he does get beat often, Trevon Diggs being able to play the ball. It, it's pretty important. Now, I'm not saying Trevon Diggs is by any stretch of the imagination a good corner, um, but I, I think that's a very kind of critical aspect is uh, just your ball skills. And you guys are seeing it with Byron Murphy. And I think that the biggest thing for this defense in order to match up, it's just kind of really confused Kyler. And on the back end, that's where they're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, up front, obviously, Reddick and Burns, Brown, they do their thing. But, um, you know, because Kingsbury has become much more uh, – he's learned and been able to pick up on some of his weaknesses, and he's really kind of scheming things open now, whereas in the past he did a lot of – saw a lot of like isolation routes from their players now because they're scheming up things really well and attacking weaknesses and coverage. Uh, it's just going to add more stress to your defense. And be, and like I said, I think that their defense now because Shaq Thompson's in there and you can organize them. And I think that's such a critical part about it. any good defense is being able to just get your guys organized like and make sure that they know the call. Uh, because you know you want to simplify things, but you also want to make sure that you know what you're doing. And, you know, the previous weeks they had, a, you know, when Thompson wasn't there, they were struggling in, in some areas because, uh, you know, the Jermaine Carter who had the green dot at the time, he's a little more inexperienced at that area. He's a pretty good linebacker, but um, I really think, you know, just getting guys lined up correctly and getting the calls is important. And so, you know, Gilmore is going to play either the slots or outside. Last week he played much more outside, matching up with Jacoby Myers. Um, uh, the week prior against Kyle Pitts, I mainly in the slot, but yeah, it's, it's going to come down to matchups. I do wonder, you know, Gilmore in the past has gone up against guys like Hopkins and green. Uh, I I do wonder if he's going to be matched up to one of them. My guess is probably Hopkins. Um, So he plays, which right now is he's having a hammy. That's the case. And, you know, no one usually ends up having a hammy that gets better over the NFL season. It just (laughs) is how well you can manage it. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I wouldn't. I, I just, I don't think Gilmore matches up particularly. I mean, I think he matches up well with anyone. I just, I don't think they're going to put Gilmore on like a Christian Kirk. I think they're going to dedicate him to either Green or if AJ, or excuse me, if DeAndre plays, and probably him, and maybe even some Zach Gertz too. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very multiple defense. Uh, it's a lot of mix and man match principles, uh, similar to what you guys saw with Minnesota, um, at least on the coverage end. Um, so be expect to see that again. Like I said earlier, uh, there are opportunities for you guys to attack this defense um, vertically against their safeties. Mm-hmm. Uh, just go back to the Eagles game, uh, and and that was a game that Shaq Thompson wasn't playing. And so what happened was Jalen Hurts and uh, 
you know, he attacked the post safety because one of the hook defenders, whether it was Jeremy Chin or uh, Jermaine Carter, because they didn't know the call. One of them didn't pick up Quez Watkins, who's running, uh, who runs like a four four three. Uh, he was one on one with a post safety, and he ran a post and is wide open. That completely like changed the game, and so that's why it's just really important for Carolina to really just you know get their calls right and make sure everyone knows what they're doing. And again, I, Shin does have some struggles in coverage, uh, but for the most part, he uh, does a pretty good job of matching and really making it difficult to catch point. But at the same time, um, I'm going to be very curious to see where Kingsbury attacks his defense. Yeah, Arizona's shown this year, I think, to be a team that can beat you in multiple ways, whether it's kind of with, like you said, the, at the finesse game, at least as far as where, you know, they're having guys that are able to spread teams out, being able to kind of, I think they're going to have issues running the ball, at least for all of that, for the most part, in, in general, just because of the strong Panthers defensive line. But they've still been able to find mismatches, like you said, down the field, being able to use a, a bunch of different, kind of like a Swiss Army knife. And they've also been able to beat teams with power and much more of a defensive football. Like, it's not that the Cardinals can only win in a, a shootout. Uh, they've been able to play kind of more of that rough and tumbles, you know, stop it at a fourth down and run the ball. A long 14 play drive at least on the next place so I, let's finish up as we talk about today you know we don't have to go over score predictions I think that the Panthers do have a chance to score more than some of these other teams have on Arizona I've got it closer to like a 30 31 to 20 I think they kind of end up at their regular averages um, it wouldn't shock me if PJ uh, is able to you know kind of get loose for the most part make a big play get a touchdown at least we're the Cardinals have, you know, in past maybe limited to around 14 or 17 points. Uh, I also think that there's a chance that Arizona's defense, the way they're playing, you know, the fact that he hasn't gotten as many reps, I think that there's a spot where if they're able to stop the run and force them into bad situations, they could get a turnover. I'm not sure what that looks like. But let's talk about some of the future of these teams. We mentioned in the last podcast, the Panthers have a young core, like, you're trying to figure out the quarterback position still and you've got guys up front you got Jeremy Chin making plays Derek Brown obviously you talk about Terrence Marshall Jr. being able to join DJ Moore the Cardinals it's been more of the opposite with Steve Kime building up this veteran team and kind of hitting a bit on some of these picks that he had in the past Um, you know you get Isaiah Simmons in the top 10 talking about at least a veteran team that has Jones had J.J. Watt you know, as Rodney Hudson and Kelvin Beecham. You kind of supplement that with a few guys and Rondale Moore being able to at least, you know, make plays on the field, having Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson be there. But it just kind of feels like as far as the future goes, it's almost like they're trending in different places where Arizona has to be able to get better at the draft, knowing they've got this franchise quarterback. Whereas I feel like at least with the Panthers, it's like you guys almost need to be able to get the quarterback area figured out I think that I didn't have an issue with them trading the pick for Sam Darnold the issue I really said I had was you know adding that fifth year option right away or I'm like oh now you're kind of guaranteed and locked in a bit or having to you know try to pull off a Brock Osweiler trade if you are going to move on from him this season this offseason what do you think as far as for when it comes down to how the Cardinals have kind of managed their turnaround it's been uh, you know, quarterback driven and focused what kind of do we see as far as the future for this Panthers team is Arizona's trying to see if they can you know, make it to a Super Bowl and be able to have keep this dominant performance going. Panthers, I think, are just trying to figure out what they have for the most part. And it, in a lot of cases, I feel like it really does start with being able to have Matt Rule do the one thing that Cliff Kingsbury got right away was getting a quarterback. He's going to have to probably go and find that, you know, in his third or fourth year. Yeah, it's, it's really funny how that works, isn't it? Because, um, you know, we can trade you, our general manager, 
it's got fitter for yours <laughs> just because just so you guys can get an idea of what it's like to trade down and accumulate a ton of picks in the draft and and really kind of attack each player and then maybe you guys can you know maybe time can come in and really help our pro scouting department but <laughs> um but yeah no it's not just it's not just the quarterback position I, I just think it's like i said it's the entire pro scouting department and and just look at some of the mistakes they've made i mean one one guy that you guys are very familiar with dan arnold who i liked i liked that signing quite a bit and he played well he had a good chemistry with darnold but they traded him for cj henderson and cj henderson i mean i mean the rumor out of jacksonville was that he had some issues uh, you know up top mentally and so jacksonville was able to recoup a third round pick for him and also get a pretty decent tight end for their young quarterback and right now uh, henderson he practiced every single day last week leading up to the patriots game but he was inactive on game day mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm i never got an explanation as to why that was the case and you know they were able to kind of get the gilmore trade right but some of the other ones like denzel perryman a guy they signed pretty quickly he they traded him in preseason and he's been pretty good for los angeles or las vegas excuse me uh the same thing david morse a wide receiver they signed from seattle they caught him on the final day of preseason uh some of their other defensive players at least that they've signed at uh, free agency uh they have worked out like uh, morgan fox and hassan reddick uh, aj boya has been pretty solid um so to me, it's just offensively on the pro scouting side, it's, uh, it's a question mark. You know, they've mm-hmm. shown that they can draft good players uh, the past two years. Um, Yatur Gross Matos and Jeremy Chin in the second round last year, they've been fairly solid. Uh, obviously, Derek Brown. Um, but then you go back and look at uh, this past draft, getting a lot of contribution from guys outside the first round, obviously, because Horn is injured and um, Trumbull has been good. Christensen has played here and there. He's shown something. And uh, Terrace Marshall, you know, unfortunately is on the production, but he's getting open. Um, quarterback just isn't giving the ball. And mm-hmm. Chuba Hubbard has taken on a pretty big role in the fourth round. And um, well, the other guy they they drafted, uh, Hoskins, uh, defensive tackle. He hasn't got as much playing time, but I'm sure he will see some. Uh, the same thing with Deontay Brown and. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the beauty of like training down in the draft. I mean, we see Seattle do it, uh, some of the better organizations. You just give yourself like a bigger margin uh, to find talent. And, and you know, they did a pretty good job of that. So I want to commend them for uh, that was an issue with Marty Herney for so many years. And Dave Gettleman before that, just they, they were unable to kind of, uh, they were just too confident in their abilities, scouting abilities, not confident enough that the draft is a crapshoot. And so the more bites of the apple that you have, you can really take advantage of. So, yeah. I'm not worried from a, uh, you know, a, the draft perspective. I trust them when it comes to the draft. I know they'll do the smart thing in trading down. My issue with them is trading picks away for veteran players. And because they're already down a second and third round pick in this upcoming draft, I'm assuming they're going to trade down in the first round to try to recoup those. But mm-hmm. uh, you, you never know. So yeah, to me, they're pro scouting. It's been an issue. But um, when it comes to college scouting, I think that they've done a pretty good job of that. Yeah, and it's interesting you're bringing that up too because like, you know, the Cardinals example has been, they seemed like they wanted to trade down and then they just either couldn't find a partner or something. And we always talk about how Kime loves his picks and the Cardinals, we said that they weren't giving away enough picks to try to bring in veteran players when there was chances and they would take, you know, uh, they'd find a David Johnson, a Tyron Matthew or a John Brown and then they would draft a Brandon Williams, a running back who spent a year at Texas A&M at corner and spent a pick on Chad Williams who 
basically, I think it just spent one year, at least for the most part, on that terrible 2018 team because you know, he beat out. Uh, he was beat up by Bryce Butler, and that you know, if you get beat up by Bryce Butler, you know, things are not going to be going well. <laughs> yeah. So it is interesting. At least you mentioned Chuba Hubbard. Uh, that was the guy I know in my my dynasty team. I ended up getting him because I liked at least the situation. I liked some of the player. I ended up trading him in a package for. Trevor Lawrence, but you know, no one cares about your fantasy team as we say, at least for the Cardinals. They're like you said, they're kind of in that spot where the last time that they were in and built a veteran team with Steve Kime did an awesome job of that. Had a couple of picks to hit on. They've done the same this year. They've been able to, you know, hit on Byron Murphy, Marco Wilson, uh, Rondale Moore, at least is a guy who will probably get more action next year. He's just, you know, you're keeping him on the small, shorter passes, keeping things simple, allowing Christian Kirk's long speed, AJ Green while you have him on that one-year deal to kind of be more of that downfield attack it just feels like that they're going to be in the spot like you said of having to then suddenly you pay Kyler now you're going to have to go and hit on some of these different draft picks trade down some and they really didn't do that or do a good job with it with Kime the last time with Bruce Arians and you know I think a lot of that draft comes down to they felt they were content to stay put at pick 13 they figured one of Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes will be there for us uh, teams knew that they were going to be wanting those guys both traded up ahead of them into the top 10 and pick 12 essentially. And it was just an interesting area of just kind of whiffing in some of those draft areas. I'll be very curious if, like you said, if Arizona suddenly gets back into that pattern where it's like, man, they had all this talent and all of a sudden those guys aged out. And now, you know, these picks haven't panned out for them. It'll, it'll be really interesting to watch as far as how things will go over the next couple of uh, years for Arizona. And, also, when it comes down to with rules time, at least in Carolina, what they do at that QB position. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks again for joining, at least for the most part. you have any last other things you want to say about the upcoming game, just some of the preview? I'll be at that game for the most part. It's going to be, I think, um, there's two more Sunday home games, I think, for Arizona. They've got a Monday night game with the Rams, and then they've got a – Saturday night Christmas game against Carson Wentz and the Colts, which, you know, when you, when you leave the team, the league in turnover differential, uh, getting Carson Wentz into your stadium is basically a Christmas gift in and of itself, unfortunately. Uh, so that's something that we'll see. But what would you like to say as far as either last comments in the game and also where can our listeners find you and find the podcast to listen to? Since I know there's a couple of tidbits we went over there that are not here on the ROTB pod cards. Fans will probably want to, you won't want to miss out on yeah you can find me on twitter at billy m underscore 91 uh you can also check out our podcast subscribe on any of the major platforms apple spotify uh it's the roar brought to you by blue wire uh but yeah man it's it's gonna be i mean arizona's favored by 10 points for a reason i think that you know they've shown that not only they can they you know put a hanging on good teams like they've shown against the rams and the Titans and um, probably should have, and the Browns too. Uh, but they've also shown they can take care of business against, uh, you know, maybe lesser competition. So for Carolina, it's going to be, you know, very tough. Uh, they've got some injuries, uh, particularly Brian Burns. I think he should be good, good to go, but uh, never say never. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how this goes for Carolina. It's like I said, it's been a kind of a kryptonite in Kyler Murray. It's been uh, the Panthers defense the past couple of years. So uh, yeah, maybe third time's a charm here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, again, definitely recommend following uh, at, at Billy M underscore nine one. Does great film breakdown, not just with Panthers, obviously, but talking about with Cardinals, with NFL prospects, and even some college guys a time or two as well. So definitely something to join when you're talking about looking at for evaluations and some awesome video breakdowns. Uh, that will be it for us in the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We'll be back at least next week going over a uh, Cardinals team that's going to be playing a Seahawks with Russell Wilson. We'll see what it looks like on the other side of the Panthers game team has been going obviously one week one game at a time we'll see if they are one and oh after this panthers game many expect or if carolina is able to kind of pull out the underdog victory that'll be it for us here in the rotv pod thanks again and go cards